0: i felt like everything i was doing with digital and color was very you know i'm a perfectionist and i wanted to see if i would be pleased with images that were a little less than perfect and and i loved it so
1: this photography podcast is brought to you by frames quarterly printed
0: photography magazine here is your today's host w scott olsen with another fascinating conversation
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to another podcast from Frames Magazine. My name is Scott Olson, and today we are going to have so much fun. Today we are talking with Cynthia Gladys. Cynthia is a New Jersey-based photographer. Her work is extraordinary. You've seen it on the Frames Facebook page. You've seen it on the Frames website. This is work that has a variety of interests and subjects and focuses, and all of it really does, just at least for me and everybody else, leaps off the page. Cynthia, how are you doing today?
0: I'm great, Scott. Thanks for having me.
1: It is my pleasure. Cynthia, I'm looking at your work and I am impressed. And I'm impressed by a couple things. First of all, just you know the, the technical quality of the images, and we're going to get to that in a minute. But you do not have a, a, a narrow focus to your work. So many people, when they present themselves to the world as photographers. They're street photographers or they're architectural photographers or they're portrait photographers. You seem to have an interest in just about everything you walk or motor by. And and, and I want to get to that kind of, of, of broad vision. But before we even get there, you mentioned something that that's close to my heart. You mentioned that when you were very young, your mother had a brick, Your mother had the old Argus C3. Talk to me about that camera and talk to me about a fair bit of distance between those days and your photography work now. Very
0: fair bit of distance. Um, (laughs) I, I remember growing up with my mom having this leather clad box that she brought everywhere and she was always snapping pictures. So a a few years ago, my sister and I had the, the slides. My mom took a lot of ectochrome slides. We had them digitized. And I was looking at the color and just the, the beauty of the photos. And I thought, wow, my mom was a pretty decent snapshooter. There was a big gap between when I started trying using my own brick. There's a little point in between when I really got back into photography. But I think it was my mom's constant... Photographing of us that I always grew up liking photography. I took a lot of pictures when I was young, but always snapshots. Um, I thought they were artistic, but I really didn't know anything about photography. It was more, every camera I touched was basically a point and shoot. So it wasn't until, let's see, I'm not a young person. So I really only started getting back into photography in, um, I guess I'd say middle age. I got on Facebook. A friend of mine said, oh, you have to go on Facebook. It's a lot of fun. So I started looking at what was available. And I started shooting pictures of clouds with my Galaxy Note 3. And I joined a couple of cloud groups. And that was, that was the <laughs> beginning of, of a, you know, the last eight, eight or so years. I kind of went wild. But um, I started posting pictures of clouds. I got some good feedback on them. You know, I mean, clouds, clouds. But then I started taking pictures wherever I went with my phone. I started editing them on the phone, posting them to a couple of groups I joined, and I got a lot of good feedback. Like you took these with your phone and and all that. So then I bought my first DSLR. It was a Canon. And I was determined to learn photography once and for all. You know, the exposure triangle, all about ISO. So I am completely self-taught. I did a lot of reading, watching YouTube videos, just kind of absorbing it. But I think the most important thing was I just kept shooting and trying to come up with something that, that was decent. And that's what I've been doing for the last eight years.
1: That, that is fantastic. You know, I, I think a lot of us, wouldn't wouldn't it be a cool book if, if we had early cloud photography by about a hundred photographers? <laughs> uh, Cause I think, you know, the truth be told, the, the world presents us with these dramatic size skyscapes every day, uh, and I think a lot of us began pointing the camera upwards, thinking that's cool.
0: Now I don't really even look at them because I've <laughs> over myself with clouds. Oh kind yeah, like what I'm doing with shopping malls and everything too,
1: but everything's fair game as far as I'm concerned. Absolutely, but between those those early days, now you have a career as a graphic designer. T- tell me a little bit about what you did in graphic design. And does that have an influence on your photography? Oh, I think it definitely does. I was corporate. I was a corporate
0: graphic designer. So don't get me started about whether or not graphic design is art, because I, <laughs> I, I do think you need you need to have an eye, even, mm-hmm. even to be a graphic designer. I did that corporate in the pharmaceutical industry. I was very fortunate to be employed in the pharma industry for a very long time, and we we had an internal agency we did presentations for people print material the usual i was fortunate that i got into a good industry i worked with a lot of really good people and a lot of my graphic design experience i did take some commercial art courses when i was younger but a lot of it was just on the job paying attention to what other people were doing i had great a great boss it, it just, it was a good, it was a good career. But I think I like things clean. I like them straight. And that's all the graphic design. That's the influence on my photography. I like a certain look. And I don't think I realized it at first when I was shooting. That kind of ended up being my style. You know, I, I sort of fought it. I didn't really want a style. I wanted to be able to shoot everything. But I have to own this. <laughs> Mm-hmm. A lot of my stuff is very clean and straight. So, yes, graphic design has had a big influence on my photography.
1: Well, you know, Cynthia, you say it's clean and straight, and yet I'm looking at examples here where and I'm looking at the, the accoutrements of constru- construction part of your website. And, and everybody, get out your pens, everyone. Cynthia has a website, it is a beautiful website, uh, and I'm about to give it to you. It's cynthiagladys.photography. C-Y-N-T-H-I-A-G-L-A-D-I-S dot photography. And it it is one of the newer websites in the photographic world. We were talking just a little bit before we came on the recording and it's less than a week old and it's beautiful. Thank you. But I'm looking at the the accoutrements to construction part where these are all construction sites. And what's brilliant about these is that you've got all the cleanliness that you're talking about, all the, the straight lines, all the beautiful light, and in almost every instance here, that cleanliness is broken. It's broken by scaffolding. It's broken by fences and stuff. So tell me about this this bit of your portfolio here. Tell me about what you're, you're chasing.
0: Okay. I like to shoot in New York a lot. Well, I did before the pandemic. I actually haven't been to New York in over a year and a half. But I would go on these photo walks. I would take the train in. I would end up in Penn Station. I'd pick a neighborhood. And I'd say, okay, I need to get the train back home at three o'clock. So I have four hours. So I would walk two hours in one direction to a neighborhood like Chinatown, the Flatiron District, Greenwich Village, Chelsea. And then I would shoot on the way. And then on the way back, I would take a different route and make sure I got back to the um, train station by say three o'clock. I wasn't just looking for construction sites. I shoot everything that catches my eye. And Mm -hmm. I actually realized when I was putting the website together that I had a collection of things I shot that had to do with construction because the one I'm thinking of in particular, I was on the high line. I did a, a high line walk and there were, there was netting. And I was looking through the netting at what was beyond. And I thought, oh, this is beautiful. So rather than just shooting like another view of New York or another view of 10th Avenue or some more people, I was focusing on, I like minimalism too. And that's sort of the same thing where you focus in on one aspect of something. So I would photograph these nets and drapes and scaffolds and I post-process. So there's a little straightening and everything going on. I, I didn't really set out to do a project of construction, but I realized that I, uh, I'm i drawn to that because I look through my photos. I said, wow, I have a lot of these. So that's kind of how my shooting goes. I start out, I have an open mind. So I'll, I'll say, okay, I'm going into New York for a few hours and I just, I shoot what catches my eye. Sometimes it ends up being construction. Sometimes it ends up being looking up at the buildings, finding, I didn't even put that portfolio together yet, but where you have the juxtaposition of the old buildings with new stuff going on, like you'll have the old building on the top and the bottom is a McDonald's, things like that. (laughs) So I'm always shooting, you know, I just, I walk around with my eyes open. I don't know how else to describe it. So it's not like I go into New York and say, I'm going to shoot construction today.
1: Mm-hmm. There's one picture in the, this portfolio that I want to talk about in particular. I don't know if you've got it open uh, in front of you there, but this is the one with the four red bins of some sort.
0: Oh, I know, I know which one with a ladder, and then yeah. Yes.
1: <laughs> now, again, going back to your you know graphic design background, th- th- this is this is the designer's heaven to, to sort of unpack this one. But t- tell me the story if you remember it of this picture, and what about it specifically appeals to you.
0: Okay, I was in Chinatown. I was Are you familiar with Cortland Alley? Yes. Okay, so I was on Cortland Alley. I believe that's where this one was. If not, it was right around there. I have this fondness for things like bins, traffic cones because, because of my the pareidolia that I um that I see often. They take on sort of human qualities or I feel like they're having a conversation or they're lined up for something else. I just saw that scene. I liked the fact that there were, I think there were four bins, if I remember correctly, and a a ladder that was also red. Everything in Chinatown seems to be red. So it sort of fit with the rest of that day's shooting. It was the, the red bins and the red ladder. And I just liked the lineup. The scene just appealed to me. It was graphically pleasing. It was, I didn't feel like it was making any kind of important statement or anything i just like the way it looked i thought it was cool
1: I, well th- that of course is the litmus test for any photograph finally you know it, is it cool this this image to me you've got the four red bins but they're interrupted you know by a, a green bin in the middle of them you've got the red ladder which is a vertical line you know completely contradicting the horizontal line of the fencing the railing the bins and you got a little bit of you've got a bin sitting way up on top with a little red sticker on it and stuff. It's the outlier. <laughs> yep. But it's so many places for the eye to go exploring in this image, you know. And, and you know you could unpack it even further. You know, there's yellow police tape or or caution tape of some sort. I'm always trying to figure out why shapes are pleasing, and, and I know the whole world of aesthetics has been trying to answer that for hundreds and hundreds of years, but. In in graphic design and in your work as as a photographer, is that pleasingness that that cool factor? Is that simply intuitive, or is is there something else going on in there?
0: It, is it? Does it sound um, not humble if I say that it is intuitive? I mean, it's just the way I see. I don't know if that's part of the graphic design, or if I became a graphic designer because of the way I see. I just I saw that scene. I said, "Oh, this is a great image." So I captured it i know people don't like that word but i sh- i shot it is that yeah <laughs> i photographed it <laughs> but I, it was the color i i did open it up i'm looking at it and yeah it's you know there's a lineup but the, it's interrupted and you know the, the the yellow tape i like the way that that went with the red i like it when i can find primary colors in my photography i love red i just not not red flowers i've always found red flowers very hard to photograph but I don't know why that is. Do you? <laughs> Do
1: no, you? I, I, I don't. And as 99% of my work is, is in black and white because yeah. you know, color is, is beyond me in so many ways. One of the things, you know, that, that intuitive sense is, is something I think photographers need to recognize and, and celebrate. But there is often sometimes a, a more philosophic or more aesthetic argument to be made, too. Another one of your um, portfolios is the New Jersey topographics which is really an homage to an earlier school of thought. And, and the idea here, of course, is is to celebrate the mundane, to celebrate the stuff that's passed over or or passed by, or people look at it and say, oh, that's not very interesting, and, and to somehow elevate that. So, and then again, a, a brilliant part of your own website here, and there's a couple that I want to call out in particular, but tell me where this idea came from and how you got started on it.
0: The New Jersey Topographics? Yes, yeah, um, I belong to a great Facebook group. It's called the New Topographics Movement, and it doesn't follow strictly the 1975 exhibit that um, I believe that was all black and white of the mundane and everything. They gave us a lot of latitude. So, because you figure that was an, uh, an American-based exhibit, and Facebook is people from all over the world, which is one of the reasons I love it. So you have people from Europe managing this group, they like this type of photography of, you know, cars with covers on them and quirky. It it was a good home for me because they they like that quirky kind of look. A lot of new topographics, when you think about it, it's say a, a landscape of something that looks like the Palouse in black and white with Telephone poles in a line across, you know, that there's that type of image. There's images of, I always think of Levittown, you know, in, in Pennsylvania. There's always images of suburbs and things like that. Well, I went out to, to do that kind of shooting and I can just shoot pictures of stuff, but I wanted my images to look a little more special. So I give them that little bit of surrealism. I think some of them look a little surreal. And if people get that impression, that's good because I wanted them to look that way. I mean, I, you know, I shot the back of Walmart with uh, the Goodyear bin and, and the, I, I, I'm looking at the picture in front of me. Yeah,
1: the, 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 the flags and the shadows of the yeah, flags. Yes. I thought, I thought
0: it was, I just thought it was a beautiful scene. I like the shadows of the flags. I like the way the two bays are dark. And then there's the shadow over on the right. So to me, this was a very appealing scene. I know that people, some people look at it and they're like, why would she take a picture of the back of Walmart? Because I think there's beauty everywhere. So this is sort of a, a quirky nod to my home state, which gets a bad rap sometimes, <laughs> you know, people here in New Jersey. And, you know, as I wrote on, on my little intro on the website, it's the fifth smallest state of the union and it's the most the only thing more densely populated than new jersey is washington dc but that's not a state right now so we are full of people and full of stuff and as i wrote on my website the pandemic was a very everything slowed down i was out just about every day taking pictures you know we were we were encouraged to get out and exercise so that was my exercise I'll never see the malls look like this again. I'll never see everything. Lo- I'll, I'll never be able to avoid cars as well as I did in this series. Um, oh, it's just, it was, I'm not, I, I will never say I miss the pandemic, but a few people I know have said, we miss the lack of traffic. We miss the quiet. We miss mm-hmm. the, the lack mm-hmm. of people. So. I don't know if I if I answered your question or if I went on too much of a tangent, but I do like a little bit of a surreal look. I, I get a kick out of shopping carts. I, I put a few of them in here because they look like they're either having a spat or how did that one get up on that little shed in back yep. of the building? I'll never know. And it's probably still there.
1: Well, there's, there's one of them that I'm going to ask you about, but I'm going to go back to the flags for a second. You talk about quirkiness. The, the first time I saw that picture, the first thing I, my brain went to was Tibetan prayer flags. Oh. Um, and, and so, basically, you've got a bit of irony there. What it really is, is the back of Walmart and their auto service center, but there's this echo of spirituality in there. I mean, lovely, lovely ways to start unpacking responses to these images. But... I got to tell you, the the one of the Target shopping carts just sort of peeking around the corner made me chuckle out loud.
0: Oh, the red one, the shy trolley—I call that. That was actually—that's a Sears. That's no longer. Okay. It's the the Woodbridge Mall in New Jersey, and it was great because Sears is closed, and it's the the architecture of that building is—it just screams mid-1960s, we're going to build a mall in New Jersey. It's concrete. (laughs) I'll I'll have to post some pictures of of that, but it's very angular. The top of the building comes to a point. There's a big Sears sign that's, of course, falling apart. And I was just walking around and there was this little red cart. It it probably was from a different store, peeking around the corner with a little... uh, sippy cup, you know, somebody's soda in the, in the seat part. And I, I just thought it was so cute. <laughs> it took on a personality
1: to me. What can I say? Oh, And it did for me as well. Um, I I, I didn't, you know, it, it's clearly peeking around the corner. And, and one of the, one of the brilliant things there that I don't think we talk about enough, had you taken five steps to your right or left, that image would have been completely different and not nearly as evocative as that kind of, you know, you call it shy or, or, you know, peering around a corner of business.
0: Yeah, that was intentional.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Okay, let's move on to another one. And, and we're working up to, to a couple here that, that I, you know, are, are sort of my favorites. But the the, the time traveler Portfolio. Oh, okay. Harkening uh, back to, you know, the old Bricka of your growing up. But you've developed a love for old cameras and, and this kind of stuff. So, you know, talk to me, you, you say here, you know, I began collecting o- other vintage film cameras and a vintage camera wannabe, the plastic Holga. The The images are, are, are wonderful images, but talk to me about the experience of shooting with old stuff.
0: Okay. I'm trying to think of what the first, I think the first vintage camera I bought when I decided to start doing this was a Canon AE one because I had one back in the eighties. I have no idea what I did with it, but it's gone and I'm kicking myself because I I thought I'll never shoot film again. I used to use the Canon back in the eighties as basically a point and shoot. I didn't know what I was doing. I was lucky that I took a lot of pictures of people with a nice blurred background so I must have, I must have had it on aperture mode. I have no idea. I just used it and I loved it. And I think the foam in the camera deteriorated. So I said, oh, this is useless. And I got rid of it. Well, when I started researching some vintage cameras and I bought the, can, uh, the Canon to replace the one I had gotten rid of, I realized that you can Replace light seals yourself and everything. So, I started doing that. I was buying. I I tend to throw myself into things, and I started buying. I bought that. I bought an Olympus thirty-five RC, I think it is, and I started taking them apart and putting new light seals in and everything, and and just shooting some thirty-five millimeter film. I really didn't know much about medium format, so I did. I did get an Argus, and I thought, oh my god, my mother was a trooper, because there are so many steps to taking a picture with Argus. It's a rangefinder, so you have to focus. That first time I've ever used a rangefinder, I had to focus. Then you have to press a button in order to release the film so you can wind it. Then you have to cock the shutter. I mean, there's three or four things you have to do <laughs> just to take an image with it. So I had fun shooting with that. It's one of my favorite cameras to shoot with because it's a lot of fun. The images are okay. you know. I, I'm very spoiled with my Fujis, especially my digital, because it's got the dials on the top and you just make changes on the fly. But anyway, I, th- I was thinking in terms of 35 millimeter and full frame digital. And I'm like, why are these pictures so small? So then I discovered medium format by using a Holga. And that got me to get, what else do I have? I have an Orgus 40, a Super 75. I got a Roller cord I really threw myself into it. And I'm still experimenting because I, I'm trying to learn how to do a better job of scanning the images, my, the negatives myself. But there's something about shooting with film. I, I was so used to digital and everything being just perfect. And I knew what my results were going to be. With film I had no idea if I could shoot the same way with film as I do with digital and I found that I can but I I enjoy it because if you've only got especially with medium format you've got 12 or 16 exposures you really have to use them wisely you can't just work a scene and shoot like 5 or 6 of the same thing all of a sudden your film is gone I enjoy medium format quite a bit and the Holga I just love the Holga People either like that kind of stuff or they don't, you know, because it's very imperfect. There's vignetting and, but you can do double exposures. Let's take just a quick break. We hope very much that you are enjoying today's episode. The very fact that you are listening to this podcast suggests that photography means a lot to you. And if that's the case, you might wanna have a look at Frames, quarterly printed photography magazine. We truly believe that excellent photography belongs on paper. Visit readframes.com to find out more about our publication. And now, back to today's conversation.
1: I was going to say, you are doing aesthetically very different work uh, in this portfolio than you are in the others with the double exposures, with the composition elements. Yes, there's an awful lot of the light and line stuff, you know, the, the graphic design. A lot of it's black and white. A lot of it is, if I say more artistic, that's completely wrong, but you get my idea. No, I
0: know exactly, I know exactly what you mean, Scott. And Can I just say one more thing about that? that my film, I think, was sort of a reaction to... I felt like everything I was doing with digital and color was very, you know, I'm a perfectionist and I wanted to see if I would be pleased with images that were a little less than perfect. And, and I loved it. So I, I what you said is that triggered. That's what.
1: Well, very, very cool. Sand stories, F- folks, sand stories um, is pictures of sand. And you think, well, okay, been there, done that. No, you you have to go to the website. You have to look at these. These are really, really phenomenally interesting uh, fine art photographs of sand. You are not only a New Jersey person, but quite a bit of time, you say, in South Carolina, walking up and down the beach there. Tell me how this got started. Tell me what the payoff is here, because this is just beautiful, evocative work.
0: Thank you very much I'm glad that you like them It's very different than my other stuff so I do love to walk on the beach. I've been shooting sand patterns on and off for years um, with this beach because I spent so much time there I was I was at a point where I was like, oh I'm going to the beach again what am I going to shoot because I was used to shooting in New Jersey and from the backs of trains and shooting rundown things and you know all that and here I am at this beautiful, wide beach. I mean this beach in Hilton Head at low tide is it's just spectacular. So I, I did a lot of shooting of blue umbrellas that are on the beach. Um, I did some people for a while, but I kept coming back to the sand. And I'm trying to think during the pandemic we were there for quite a while and I, I did some I did some of these. But for some reason this last trip, they just spoke to me. I I saw more and more and there was another way of shooting the beach that was just different and interesting and could be I think quite beautiful. It depends on the light and everything. I have mentioned this in frames, but if you'd like, I could tell you how the sand gets these kind of amazing shading patterns to it go, go for it okay <laughs> um, while I went you are i i it's kind of funny. When I used to walk on the beach a lot at low tide, I would see these little things that look like tiny little volcanoes along the sand, and there would be stuff bubbling up out of them. There was a hole in the middle and like water and and some little brown things were coming out. So I'm a fairly intelligent person. And I thought, oh, I think that's probably clams breathing. So I thought that's, that's pretty cool. But then one day I decided to Google it. I said, what what is the brown stuff coming up out of these little holes on the beach in Hilton Head. So I learned about these things called ghost shrimp. They're about a half inch long. They're transparent. They're also called glass shrimp. Apparently they they live to, ex, to eat and excrete because they burrow straight down into the sand. They said it's like a pencil, the, the width of the hole. They bury down into the sand because like most creatures they don't like to excrete where they eat they are upside down so they excrete out of the hole and that <laughs> all these each little shrimp now this is amazing each little shrimp excretes 500 tiny pellets a day so that's a lot of shrimp poop and what happens? Are you laughing? <laughs> what happens, I think
1: this is wonderful. It's, it's.
0: I have to tell the story because it's. I, I think it's hilarious. But um, what happens is it's, it's mostly at low tide because it, it's a beautiful Hilton Head Beach. is beautiful. It's pristine. The sand is clean. It's just a gorgeous beach. But they leave it very natural, so they don't do anything to get rid of the reeds on the beach, or it, it's because it's natural. So there are times when the beach looks full of stuff and other times when it just looks pristine. So I look for it when it's full of stuff and the shrimp excrement kind of makes these dark streaky patterns down by the waterline. And then what happens is as the, the tide recedes comes in and all it, the dark stuff dries and then the wind carries it because there's a lot of wind down there. The wind carries it and mixes it with the clean sand higher up on the beach. The, sun, the sand is very fine, so I know that has something to do with it, but the way the wind blows it and the wet, you know, I go out after a rainstorm intentionally looking for these patterns. It's just pretty incredible, but I do owe some of the shading to these lovely little pooping. <laughs>
1: Oh, that that's fantastic. Are a lot of these images golden hour shots? I'm looking at the shadows oh, on them.
0: Um... I'm glad you asked. Yeah, they are. In fact, a few of the, I, the one, one day, one morning, I had an amazing, oh my gosh. I, I feel like I'm on a treasure hunt. Some days I just get more, more material than others. But the I go out mostly in the morning, it's golden hour in the morning. I go out around sunrise and uh, before too many people have trampled on the sand But yeah, the golden golden hour is very special for me. But then I was going out a lot late in the day too. The cleaner ones, I was higher up on the beach and I'm looking at one here with the dots. I don't know if you can see. um, There's one that's pretty light colored. That's all just hard sand from there was a rainstorm and then... The wind blows some of the fresh sand over these hard pieces that have dried from being wet. And it's just, I've gotten to know the beach intimately. And I kind of know now what to look for and what conditions. And But I, I have a lot that I still have. And I, I kind of collect, you know, where I said with film, you have a limited number of shots and everything. I don't shoot these with film because I find something that looks interesting. I use my Fuji with an 18 to 135 millimeter lens. And, you know, I, I work the scene. I shoot close. I shoot far away. I they they talk to me though. Sometimes I'll see out of the corner of my eye. I'm like, Ooh, there's a fish. <laughs> it's really kind of wild.
1: <laughs> Those of you that have had a chance to, to look at the website while we're talking already know this, but th- th- these are beautiful, mostly abstract, images of the sand and the colors. And I say mostly abstract because you mentioned on the website here that you see patterns, you see stuff in the abstract design that other people uh, may not see. And you mentioned that earlier about your work in Manhattan uh, as as well. Do, do you see patterns other people don't see? I, I think
0: so. You know, I see people Sand patterns and everything, but there are things. The one I didn't post on the website, but um, it looked like a woman. I don't know if you if you're familiar with that one. Um, it looked like a curvy woman in a dress, and I was walking along the beach, and it was perpendicular to me. And I, out of the corner of my eye, I looked, and and I saw her. I call it her. I saw her immediately. Like I said, oh my God, that's a woman. And I took three or four photos of it, and I swear I could not wait to get home because I was afraid my memory card would get corrupted. I I was so excited about that one image because I said, oh, because there are days like that where I'll see something that I I realize is really spectacular. But sometimes they come to me when I'm looking at what I, you know, I, I see a pretty scene and I'll work on it in, um, in post, and I'll say, oh, that looks like like I found. Um, I did one the other day. I found a, a sleeping baby sucking its thumb. That's not on the website yet, and I haven't posted it in frames. But that was that was a surprise. That little baby revealed itself to me. But yeah, I think I see things that other people don't.
1: <laughs> do, do other people see them once the images are presented?
0: oh yeah, other people love to tell me what they see. And it's really, a, it's become a lot of, it's like a Rorschach test of um, Stan, <laughs> you know? I mean, I'll say it's this, oh, we could get into a whole discussion about titling and not titling. I personally, mm. I, you mentioned that your English background and I'm, I like words. I see things sometimes and the title just pops right into my head, especially if it's something that looks like something obvious, like the fish, you know? So bubbly fish. But I decided not to title these because I, I like on the on the website because I like to see what people let let them form their own impressions because that's what they do when I post them anyway I'll say I'll say oh this is a, a a mushroom oh no that looks like a nuclear mushroom cloud or that looks like broccoli or that <laughs> so, <laughs> so let people figure it out for themselves.
1: Very cool. Two more portfolios. And and, and one, I got to admit, I'm really jealous because I've been tempted to do this and I simply haven't got the guts for it. And that's the 720 South Carolina portfolio, the one uh, that's all in infrared. You mentioned earlier, you know, taking cameras apart, putting them back together again. You know, my bravery for messing with the hardware is zero. I mean, I love infrared photo. I love the best of infrared photography. You know, some of it I, th- I think is, is a trick without any content, but yours really do speak to me. So what 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 appeals to you about infrared as, as an aesthetic? And t- talk to me about converting the stuff. Talk to me about messing with the hardware.
0: Okay, well, I didn't do any messing with hardware. I sent it away and let the professionals Aha. mess with me. <laughs> I had found... I, I I like to experiment and this was something I talked to a friend about. And he's like, Oh, you know, you can convert digital cameras to infrared because infrared film is very tricky. I've never done it. I've never used it. I have no desire to, to be honest with you. And I was told that with digital infrared, you use it like a regular camera. So you don't your settings are pretty it's very important to set a custom white balance, but you can basically, you know, shoot at F eight and you know, 120 to of a second. I mean, it's, it's, you use it like a regular camera. The images look very flat though. And you definitely have to bring them into post and, and tweak the, the contrast. But I, I was always drawn to strong contrast, um, black and white. I like, I mean, I, I can really appreciate the soft tones and people do a lot of grayscale black and white that's very moody and atmospheric and it's beautiful. But I like drama and I liked the idea of, you know, the I love what it does to clouds. I love the dark sky. It does weird things to people. Sometimes you can see their veins. It's very odd. I was not interested in... I hate to say this, I call it the glowy cemetery look, but a lot of people that shoot infrared film, there's this thing, they they use it for cemeteries or that what's called the wood effect is where the foliage turns white. And a lot of people like to shoot like the, you know, like a landscape with it. I tried that and I, I said, oh, I don't want to do this. I even tried color infrared, which that didn't last long because that's very, just because you can do something doesn't mean you should. That's my mm-hmm. my feeling on it. But with these black and whites, I found that if I avoided the puffy trees, I don't consider palmetto trees the puffy trees. You know what I mean, I think. that Yes, land-
1: I'm looking at several of your images here. I
0: love what it does to palmetto trees. I think they look, the one picture where there's a lineup of trees, it's towards the bottom, and they kind of... A big one and they slope down to smaller ones. Mm -hmm. I was told they look like cheerleader pom poms. They look like feather dusters. You know, I get a kick out of it when people tell me my stuff looks like other things. But I like the photo of the man with the bicycle. He's sitting on a box. It's just sort of moody. You know, it's different than just a plain black and white. I also like what it did to the um, Spanish moss. I've always. Spanish moss is tricky to photograph and make it look interesting, I think, anyway. And with the infrared, it gets it's it's not too white, but it, there's a nice contrast between, like the tree trunks really stand out of the uh, the live oaks.
1: For those of you that are listening, this is an image of a roadway going straight uh, center, and and one of those wonderful canopied roadways with with the live oaks and the Spanish moss hanging from them, and and the infrared really does make them pop.
0: Yeah. I just I I enjoy it. It's something that and I hadn't really worked on infrared for a while but I decided to bring the camera. I have another conversion. I have a Fuji XT20 that I had oh the the one I started with I had a 100 X100T and I found I wasn't using it enough. So I had it converted to full spectrum and that you can use a variety of different Filters, so I could use the 720 for the black and white. I use some color filters. That was my first infrared conversion. But then I had an XT20 that I had converted strictly to the 720, and I can use any lens on it. So it's it's really I, I think these are a combination of both cameras. But if you were thinking of trying it, it's just there's a couple of companies that do the conversions, and it's great. It's great.
1: I I, I think my my exploration on that is going to be the little preset button on the left side of Lightroom. <laughs> and I'll, I'll, click, I'll, I'll click on that and say, nah, I don't think so, and keep
0: going. Do you have any old gear lying around? Because you can even do this with little, uh, I, well, I did it with a point-and-shoot that I had, but that was a waste because I, there was a hot spot. That's something you have to worry about sometimes. You get a hot spot right in the middle of a photo that is bright. I don't want to get too technical, but, you can do it with just about any camera, and it's interesting. It's Yeah, it's very interesting. Give it a try.
1: Well, <laughs> I, in the portfolio here, I admire so many of them. Um, the, little, the little you know, cart on the beach with the moon up above it is, is just brilliant. The, the kid standing on the pier with his arms up is, is brilliant. The one that you chose to be the landing page for your website, though, tell me the story of that image.
0: Okay, that is a new beach for me. It's called Fish Hall. Hall. That's my my Jerseyus Fish Hall. No, it's the Fish Hall Beach, and it was extremely low tide that day. And I all I brought was my infrared camera, and I just walked around, and um, I wanted to see how the rocks would look in infrared. And I there were those nice clouds, so I tried to balance the uh, the rocks with the clouds. I don't think the photo would have been as interesting if there were no clouds in the sky, or if there were no rocks and it was just a flat beach. I just liked the scene, and there is a little person in there looking for shells. But that was the story with that one. And you want to know why it was my homepage? Because, yeah. because the type fit well on the block area. <laughs> I'm a there's, designer.
1: There's- there's the graphic designer i knew it was coming out
0: (laughs) yeah i mean i could have picked any one of these and been happy with it but where would the type go and then i would have had to change the opacity of the photo to see the type and you wouldn't you know and that's the same reason i picked the one with the leaning fence as my contact page for the same it was all about where the type went i it wasn't that it was my favorite photo or anything it was more
1: about practicality Well, you know, design is is a much larger topic than composition, and you know, we compose our photos, but then we also fret over framing and about display and size. We have a a need, you know, a landing page on a website. Other elements come into play. Absolutely, I am, I am, as as I've said before, really impressed with how the design uh, element is apparent in all of your photography. It seems to me, though, that. An, an interest or an, a, a talent in design is really challenged by serendipity. I mean, to, to be ready for that moment at a moment's notice. And, and probably the biggest challenge you've got in all these portfolios uh, is the one that for uh, personal reasons is closest to my art. Uh, and that's the train window port- portfolio here.
0: I was hoping get to that one
1: <laughs> oh you know what i'm saving this one for last because i mean you know shooting from a train window forget the images just you know just as a way of existing in the world being on and being ready is is a lot of fun uh, and sometimes the images you know really do prove that the universe can be a nice place talk to me about why you're doing this and and what you're shooting for
0: okay well, my husband and I, we spent a lot of time, we're theater people, theater buffs, I guess you'd call it. So we, uh, where we live, it's a direct 45-minute ride right into Penn Station. I live in a great town in New Jersey where that, it's why a lot of people live here. It's a, called a commuter town because it goes straight into New York. So we were going in almost every weekend for years. And um, I would always bring my camera for shooting in New York. And my husband would be reading the paper, you know, and I'd be sitting there and I'd look at my phone, I'd read a book and I'm like, why don't I start shooting out the train window? So I did. I actually, I actually had a woman in back of me say, could you please stop that clicking? You're really on my nerves. (laughs) So that's when I learned that there was a silent, a silence.
1: Silent (laughs) mode, yep.
0: My camera, um, because I, I could see why it would be annoying, especially in the quiet car. But um, I started doing this, and if I go back to the, the first ones I did, oh my oh, they're terrible. They're so random, and you know, I, I didn't have a good shutter speed and the window was dirty and all that. But as I kept doing it, I was able to anticipate, you know, you get really used to the, the route. It was the same route all the time. But some days we would be on, you know, how they have the different tracks, and it never you never know what track you're going to be on. I could be on the right side shooting out of the you know the right hand window or on the left side on the left hand track and get more of a close up I could be in the top deck of the train, the bottom deck. So I just kept doing it. And I was able to start anticipating like, oh, Elizabeth is coming up. I want to get a shot of um, Shopper's World. Or I know there's some backyards here. I love looking at people's backyards. The Mm -hmm. the photo I call, uh, Fences Make Good Neighbors. And I think you could see why. But it it just, um, it became very enjoyable. And then, you know, I work on them in post and everything. I crop. You know, I'm not. Uh, people say they, oh, you can't crop. That's that's BS. As far as I'm concerned, uh, it's all about the <laughs> final image. I mean, to me, composition is the most important thing, and I'd rather spend less time futzing around with computer uh, camera settings and more time worrying about what I'm actually shooting. Because I shoot RAW. I don't. I don't shoot JPEGs. Some of these might be JPEGs, but I would just put it on a fast shutter speed. To freeze the scene, and then I'd have to adjust the exposure in post. But I enjoy it. I can't wait to get back to it. I haven't done it in, like I said, over a year. We haven't been to New York, but there's so much you can do with it. You could shoot the inside of the train station, you can shoot construction sites. As I was putting my portfolios together, I realized a lot of them overlap because I also like minimalism and I like grids of buildings, you know, windows. I like things like that. Not all the time.
1: There, there's a real geometric, you know, aspect to your work, you know, which we've been talking about with a lot of these, and in this portfolio in particular, that geometry also lends itself to some interesting social commentary uh, as well. It, it's work that I admire because I know from you know my own work that you have, even if you know the route, you have about two seconds to say, "Here it is," raise the camera, take the picture.
0: Yep. Yep. The, oh, another another good trick, um, I don't know if anyone, if you've tried this, but those rubber collapsible lens hoods are very
1: good for this. They are. I have seen Art. them advertised. I did. Oh, you
0: just stick the camera right up against the window, and you don't get glare or anything. It's
1: great. I've always thought with a double-paned window, you're still going to get a reflection from that far pane.
0: No, but, no. Oh, no, so very cool. The haze filter in um, Lightroom is very helpful helpful for these. <laughs> So Cynthia, what are you working on now? My I worked on my website. (laughs) (laughs) Believe it or not, one of my favorite little vintage cameras to shoot with is a Brownie Hawkeye, because you can't do anything. I mean, you can't focus, you can't set your shutter speed. There's no ISO, nothing ASA for film. You just point it and you shoot it, and it's all about composition. And I also, I bought a second one and did what they call the uh, brownie lens flip, where you take it apart and you flip the lens around. So you get, like with a brownie, you have to stand at least six feet away from something to get it in focus. With the lens flip, you could stand like two or three feet away and you get like a a wild bokeh background. It's really cool. So that's, I've, I've done some of that, but... I'm waiting for my negatives to come back. One thing about film, it's like, oh my God, give me my digital camera so I I could go out and get some pictures. I haven't gotten any in a while. Um, Recently I shot, um, there was a traveling carnival in town and not my town, but down the, down, I was driving down the highway a Trader Joe's run and it's like, oh wow, look at the the carnival. So I pulled in and um, did some shooting there and I went back and shot it when they were tearing it down. So I've got some of that going on. I wanted, I was determined to do like a suburban summer kind of series but the weather's been bad I just haven't I need a I need a little break. I think once in a while you need to refresh and you know just work on organizing your Lightroom catalog um, that kind of stuff and then I get motivated to pick up a camera and go out again and shoot. I can't do it all the time it's just real life gets in the way you know
1: <laughs> yes yes it does well Cynthia thank you Th- this has been fascinating everybody please go to the website straight away and Cynthia dot photography you will be happily entertained and inspired the entire time thank you ma'am this has been a pleasure
0: thank you Scott it was very nice <laughs> frames because excellent photography belongs on paper Visit us at
1: www.readframes.com.